salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am the Commish, and we are wrapping up week four of the NFL season. I thought I'd play a little different intro for those listening to this episode. It kind of gives you that warm, comfortable feel like you're on a beach somewhere maybe in Inglewood, California, home of the soon-to-be uh, Super Bowl, I think it's Super Bowl 56 we're talking about there at SoFi Stadium. I, I was just watching the Monday night game between the L.A. Chargers, go Chargers, go, and the Las Vegas Raiders. And, I, and let me just say this. I've seen the Chargers firsthand. So when I played that intro, I thought immediately of the Chargers and how, how fluent and how calm and how subtle how comfortable their style of play has been as far as on offense and defense, how they've been executing at this point. And it looks to be a blowout against the Raiders on Monday night. It's set up that way. Uh, 3-1, nothing to shake a stick at for the Chargers. Uh, Probably a lot of um, mistakes that they had against the Dallas Cowboys that probably keeps them from being undefeated themselves. But just in that division alone, you're talking about the Raiders being three and one or soon to be. You're talking about the Chargers potentially being three and one. And then you look at Kansas City, who is two and two. And you're looking at uh, the slipped my mind. I'm sorry, the Denver Broncos. How can I forget the Denver Broncos? The Denver Broncos. You know, they're three and one themselves. This is a great division. You can say what you want about the NFC West. Take a look at the AFC West. They've got some powerhouses out there, and they have quarterbacks that know how to manage games. And and you really can't sit here and say if this team will make it, that team will make it. I'll just say that it really will come down to the last game of the season. I don't have the, the, the schedule in front of me, but... For what I see now with um, the Chargers, how they've been playing, it's very simple, basic football. Uh, they allow Justin Herbert to basically just dump it to the person that's available, to the person that's open. And you may have some stunt plays, you may have some hook routes, you may have some vertical plays, but Herbert seems to connect with ease when you're playing against these teams. And uh, they're, they're showing their way and they are placing themselves in a position to be one of the top teams in the AFC the way they're playing right now against the Raiders. And I'm not shooing out the Raiders anymore than I'm shooing out Denver. There are also two good teams, whether it be division or the conference that are playing well. It just, you know, when you're talking about divisional matchups, it's anybody's game. I mean, just ask the Rams and the Cardinals. I, I picked the Cardinals to win. Now, let me just throw that out there right now. Some people probably say, well, Kamish, you got the Cardinals in the basement in the division. Yeah, I said all that. But look at what the Cardinals are doing. 4-0. They haven't lost a game yet. I, I maybe, this, maybe this is premature for me to say. So I say it with a grain of salt. But I think it's safe to say at this point, potentially, that the Arizona Cardinals have finally found a formula on offense that's working. And I knocked Kyler Murray forever. And I'm not going to knock him this year anymore than I have been in years past, but I've always said it really did come down to how he's able to execute plays. 
whether it be in the pocket or on the run. And he can create. This man can create anywhere on the field. He's well over 1,200 yards passing to this point. And there's nothing slowing this team down. The defense is incredible. Considering the fact that they played against one of the better offenses in the Rams just the other day. This is an amazing team. The Arizona Cardinals, you really can't, you don't know what to say. It's hard to really grasp the words to describe how Arizona is right now. But I'll say, I'll say this much, they're perfect. For how they're playing at this point, regardless of who they played, they played the Rams. And I've had the Rams to this point being the best team in the NFL. I'm sticking to that. But at the same time, you know, the Rams really show that they have to be a little bit more disciplined on defense. And that probably would cost them the game. But I am not knocking Arizona for what they've done thus far. They've won four straight. They're 4-0. They are undefeated in the NFC. And I'm just happy to see that they are progressing in the way that they are. Considering how much I always down the Arizona Cardinals. I'll give Cliff Kingsbury some dap. You know, I'll give him a shout out for doing an excellent job this far for the first quarter of the season. I am intrigued, as a lot of other people are, to see how well this team progresses week by week. And so I go on with my list of intriguing teams that I've seen uh, for week four. Cowboys have won three straight. Let me just give a huge shout out to all my Dallas Cowboy fans. I'm sure you're heeing and hawing somewhere in Dallas or outside of Dallas, whether it be in Texas or wherever you may be. The Dallas Cowboys have won three straight and already we're talking about this team being in the Super Bowl. Come on. (laughs) It goes without fail. These people can't wait to talk about Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys. And you think of the season's. Uh, for the last five or three years and how they might have started off and how they finished. And whether you're a fan of the Dallas Cowboys or not, I think there's so many people in this world, definitely within this country, that is so quick to anoint the Dallas Cowboys as Super Bowl contenders. It just seems like it's just the right thing to do. And I can't understand how from season to season, we still find a way to fix our mouth fix our tongue to come out and say I can see Dallas in the Super Bowl I can't I still can't see Dallas Cowboys in the Super anymore that I can see them in the playoffs it's not to say they won't make the playoffs it's not even to say that they won't win the division I still have Washington winning the division shouldn't come as any shock but I also said that Dallas had the potential of going to the playoffs and right now based on what we've seen outside the week one loss to Tampa Bay they are they are truly on their way to the playoffs and I'll give them the same credit as I gave Arizona they are a quarter of a way through and they are looking good on both offense and de- and you got to compliment the defense because the biggest scrutiny going into the season was the defense how they would respond how would they would play uh, outside what we saw last season and so everybody, almost everybody is skeptical as to what this defense can do. But it looks like the defense has really been doing their job. They have 10 takeaways thus far, which I believe is best in the NFL, but 10 takeaways on defense after four weeks of football. My gosh. The def- hey, listen, you got to call a spade a spade. 
you know, this defense is playing lights out football. I won't commend them because I'm a Washington fan, but I will give them respect because they found what was wrong and they found a way to correct it. That's football. You utilize the time that you have to realize what you've done wrong, and then you find a way to get the people together and find the right coaching staff to put around this defense to make the defense better. And I'll give it to Quinn. Coach Quinn has done a phenomenal job to this point with that defense. Now, barring injury, obviously, this defense could actually save the Dallas Cowboys in a lot of jams. Jams being if they're playing against teams that are, are matching their offense, if they're fairly equal as far as play goes, possession, I think the Dallas Cowboys defense can find a way to bail this team out. And that's not taking anything from Dak Prescott. He's having a great year. I mean, believe me, after breaking an ankle like that, people were iffy if he would play well. Mind you, it was the ankle that was broken, not his shoulder, not his throwing arm. So where would the doubt be as far as how he would perform after perhaps the first game? And if there was any way to get the jitters out of your system, it's that first game against Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay. You're playing one of the best defenses in the NFL in Tampa Bay's D. So if anything has said anything at all, about Dak Prescott and the progress that he's made this far is perfect. It's right where he needs to be. There are some things I know he'd want to correct, but he's still playing football. He's still playing good, sound football. That's all you want to ask out of a quarterback that suffered such a major injury last year. And I'm proud for Dak. And listen, listen, all Washington fans, I'm just throwing this out there. As an athlete, I have the utmost respect for Dak Prescott. When he broke his ankle, you almost felt as though his career might have been over. Because, mind you, he didn't have a contract with the Dallas Cowboys when he broke his ankle. He was franchise tag. So we didn't know the outcome of what Dallas was going to do with Dak Prescott. That was a crapshoot. No one knew. Maybe outside of Jerry Jones and his son, no one really knew what he could have been or where he might have been if Jerry Jones didn't take the time out to consider re-signing Dak Prescott. And of course, they gave him all this money. So now Dak Prescott has new life. It's something about this season that I think he feels as though it's his purpose as a Dallas Cowboy to bring the best out of the rest of the team. Love it. Gotta love it. Gotta love it as a fan. Gotta love it as a person that can respect athletes and what you're trying to do to win. Because regardless of the team, this is what it's all about. So I want to show some love to the Dallas Cowboys. I also want to show some love to the Buffalo Bills. They've won three straight. And they won three straight by kicking some you-know-what. I won't say what it is I want to say. But the last few games, they've been kicking some, in the last three games themselves, their opponents have only put up 21 points. In the last three games, they shut out the Miami Dolphins. They've shut out the Houston Texans. They allow Washington to put up 21 points. This defense, outside of them being for real, they are dangerous. You do not want to play against the Buffalo Bills defense. 
Josh Allen is going to be Josh Allen. I still have him as number one this year in in the NFL. Okay, you know that's trivial. You know, I'm not. Nobody's going to sit back and and, and, and grab straws at uh, who they think may be number one. You know, it's semantics. We'll leave that alone. All I'm saying is Josh Allen is starting to look like the Josh Allen from last year. And the confidence is coming back. And the personnel that he has is starting to understand his way. And so he's become more effective in, on the offense. But did anybody think they were going to put up 40 points against the Texans? And did anybody think that the defense would shut out the Houston Texans altogether? My gosh. What are they doing? What are you feeding these guys there in Buffalo? Shout out to those guys out there in Buffalo. I got Buffalo winning that division, and it looks like they're on pace to do so. They won three straight themselves. Shout out to them. Got to show love to the New York teams. I have to. This is one of the reasons why I'm on the mic tonight. I have to show some love. And I'm talking about some passionate love. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm talking about some passionate love to the Giants and the Jets. (laughs) They get their first win of the season. And the elation that comes from these teams is priceless. It's priceless. This is what fo- this is what playing football is all. Is. Isn't that what Herm Edwards said? You know, you play to win the game. It doesn't make a difference what else is going on in your life. You're playing to win the game. So you're playing the Texans. You still got to try to win, right? They take them to overtime and they won that game. And Tannehill sacked seven times. It was almost like a light switch went off for that Jets defense. And and shout out to that Jets defense. I thought they looked pretty decent last year, although they had a horrible record then. I still thought that the Jets defense might have been the saving grace of that team last season. But based on what I saw, what little I saw against the Titans, the Giants, I'm sorry, the Jets and the Titans, they were up in Tannehill's face. And to make it... My goodness, I'm starting to wonder if Tannehill is really the quarterback to be of this season. Everybody and their mama said, look out for Ryan Tannehill. Look out for what? I don't see Tannehill doing anything any more special than he did in Miami. It hurts him that his best premier receivers are both hurt. I mean, what the heck is going on in Tennessee that these both these guys are hurt? A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. And I'm feeling some of the pain because I got A.J. Brown on my um, fantasy team. I start him for three weeks and he's done nothing for me in the last three weeks. And I'm saying to myself, what's going on with this brother? Somebody get him healthy. Get this man healthy. It doesn't help the team, the Titans team, to have this type of talent hurt. And then you got Derrick Henry on an island all by himself. God bless him. That man's still trucking, still running over people. Had over 100 yards rushing the other day. And you know what? This is what the Titans are going to be in the division that is just wide open at this point. I don't want to call the AFC South a dumpster fire. But the top team in that division, if I'm correct, is at one and three, if I'm right. I believe the Titans are one and three. And I want to believe that the Houston Texans is one and three as well. <laughs> we can't make this up. 
the AFC South is horrible. I want to say uh, Indianapolis is also one and three. They won against Miami. It is a rough time if you're in the AFC South. Probably a lot worse if you're talking about the, the NFC East. NFC East is the worst division in the NFL. Is it really? I mean, I've seen what Dallas is doing. I kind of see what Washington is trying to do. You know, outside of the game against Buffalo, they lost some 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 close games. Should have won against the Chargers, and they beat um, the Giants. You know, and 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 now they're they defeated the Falcons, which was close. I mean, the Falcons put up thirty points. What is going on with that defense in Washington? That's the biggest head scratcher right now. What is going on with that defense? Highly ranked going into the season, top five defense. And they look remedial. They look soft. I'm going to go out and say it. I'm going to put some emphasis on the t in soft. I'm sorry about the feedback from the from the mic. But man, what is with this defense? It embarrasses me that I look at the defense and I'm saying to myself, okay, they should be shutting out the Falcons. And the Falcons put up 30 points. They got three touchdowns alone. From Cordell Patterson. Shout out to Cordell Patterson. This man's been kicked around from team to team. I don't think the one team he hasn't played on yet is, is the Washington football team. This man's been kicked around by so many teams. I think he went and played for the Vikings twice. Just like this. What's with these people? What is so bad about Cordell Patterson that you can't keep him on a team? Is it money? Is it really about money? I, I can't understand it, but this guy had a sensational game against Washington. Had three touchdowns. He may be the X factor to that offense. Never mind Mike Davis. Never mind Kyle Pitts. We were so big on Kyle Pitts. Calvin Ridley. It's all about Cordell Patterson right now. Forget what you heard. It's all about Cordell Patterson. And I am not mad at Atlanta. It's whatever it takes to try to win. Speaking of which, I did mention the Jets. Let me go back and talk about the other New York teams, the New York football giants. Not the biggest fan of the Giants, but I respect the Giants because they're in our division. So when we play, it's dirty, it's grimy, and I like it. I like to see both teams kind of slap each other. I like to see both teams maybe take a jab at each other. Now, the, the refs are calling flags for taunting. I hate that. I think it takes away from the element of football. It takes away from, uh, it's not the style, but it's just more so the camaraderie that comes with playing football. You got to have taunting. You got to be able to get in the, in the opponent's face and say a little something. It's not going to distract anybody. You can't make this league cleaner. You can't sit there and say, well, you can celebrate in the end zone, but then you got to watch out who you taunt. I mean, come on. Such a contradiction. But nonetheless, nonetheless, I like the Giants, what they did with the Saints, and, you know, I said about the Saints some time ago, excuse me, I there's something about the Saints that I knew even this past summer was going to be the eye opener as far as what Jamison does, or, or I'm sorry, uh, Jameis Winston. I said Jameson, excuse me, when, uh, Jameis Winston, let me get the name right. What Jameis Winston does this summer, well, excuse me, this uh, schedule uh, it's really going to be the determining factor of just how effective 
how composed of a quarterback he'll be. And, and I think he's really trying to show signs of composure when he's playing in the behind that line. They have a good offensive line. Kamara's been decent, been good, not great. But I think that's in large part because of how much they had to change that offense because uh, uh, my boy's not there anymore. Um, Drew Brees. How can I forget Drew Brees? Drew Brees leaves, and now we're talking about a different type of offense altogether. The line is still intact. Kamara is still there. But Jameis Winston really needs to find a way to be productive. He has to be more in control. He has to manage the ball better. I think he's got to find his receivers, his key guys. We know he can throw the deep ball. But I think he's got to maintain that level of composure to give this Saints team a chance to be competitive and to win. And they probably should have won against the Giants. But the Giants on offense, God bless them, has been very determined to just score, to move the ball and score. Daniel Jones has another great game. He throws an interception, but so what? He manages a great game. Saquon Barkley... Uh, switch goes off, click, and this man is gone. Had a great game. Won't say phenomenal, just say great game. He had a rushing uh, rushing touchdown to help win the game. Had a receiving touchdown. So the Giants have found new life themselves. And good for them. Even if it meant playing against New Orleans. In New Orleans, that's not an easy place to play. Even after Drew Brees is gone. New Orleans is still one of the toughest places to play football outside of Pittsburgh, Kansas City, perhaps Dallas, Las Vegas, we'll say. There's a lot of places where if you go into that element, there's no guarantee that you're going to come out of there victorious. And for what the Giants did the other night, they did a great job. Hat goes off to them. And I'm going to wrap this up by talking a little bit about that New England Patriots game. I don't, maybe I'm salty because it was the Patriots that ruined my football teaser. I bet on five teams and the Patriots didn't cover the spread. I'm sorry, excuse me. The Buccaneers didn't cover the spread. And I'm feeling some kind of way because I really thought, I really thought that Tom Brady would find a way to air that ball out. Antonio Brown and be able to get some scores, some touchdowns from him alone. Gronkowski did not play, so they had to work with the guys they had there. I think Mike Evans bailed him out several times. Godwin might have had a touch or two. But Antonio Brown, I'm wondering about this guy. And and I don't want to stress how much I'm questioning Antonio Brown, but this is a very important game. And I know that the weather was... A factor. It was coming down like cats and dogs, but there were some catches that Antonio Brown just could not hold on to. Like, what's going on? Tom Brady is, is giving you dimes. He's just like placing it in your hands, and you find a way to drop these balls. He dropped two in the end zone. It just was very uncharacteristic of Antonio Brown for that night. It was more uncharacteristic for Tom Brady for not getting even a touchdown out of the deal. He breaks the passing passing yards record, which is great. He, he was only off by 50-something yards. So you knew at some point he was going to pass that, but he couldn't put that ball in the end zone. 
I have to believe just from that alone, Bill Belichick knew exactly what to do to be able to make sure that he could neutralize Tom and what he could do in the end zone and in the red zone. I really do believe his mission was to see what he can do with his defense to make sure that Tom Brady didn't have a fighting chance to throw that ball in the end zone. So who won that battle? Essentially, it had to have been Belichick. Because what we got from Mac Jones, it was extraordinary. The man throws 275 yards, two touchdowns. Yes, there were some mistakes. Yes, he had a tip pass for an interception. That's not all Mac Jones' fault. But as far as how he was able to control the flow of the game, how was he was able to possess the ball in those times where it was crunch time, they had to score, Mac Jones was superb. You know, I give him the gold star for playing the way he did against Tampa Bay and that defense. But it's still the fact that when you look at the outcome of the game, a missed field goal, maybe some choice plays there in, in between with New England. And we're talking about New England winning that game against Tom Brady. Because Belichick pretty much coached the right game. He coached the right game for that defense to be effective. Enough to keep Tom Brady from throwing that ball in the end zone. No Gronkowski, no problem. So it really did come down to special teams. It probably came down to, to uh, penalties and New England losers. But I have to believe if they should ever play again, it won't be this season, but perhaps in the upcoming season, if they should play again, I think you got to watch out for New England moving forward. I, I really do believe that Belichick is such an influence on this team, regardless of who we're talking about. You know, he, he recruits a whole bunch of people from free agency. He must have signed about 15, 20 people from free agency. And then he, he goes out and gets Mac Jones first round in the draft. He has something in mind that could be outstanding by the time we're talking about next season. Never mind the fact they still have several games left this season, of course. It's still the fact that what you get from Belichick the man is just a master. He's a mastermind. He is one of the best, if not the best coach of all time. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's something about Belichick that this man knows football. If I'm around Belichick and I'm trying to talk football, I'm embarrassed because I'm pretty sure that what I have to say probably wouldn't even compute with what Belichick has in his mind and what really works in the NFL. So says the commission. A lot of great games for week four. Could go on and on. Just wanted to get those out there because of the fact that we're talking about the end of week four before we start talking about the start of week five. But, you know, if, if, if I'm salty, if I sound a bit agitated right now, it's because I try to, you know, I try to put some money in on some teams. They didn't do me right. You know, I put money on the Panthers. They didn't do me right. I put money on the Saints. They didn't do me right. I went with the spread with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They didn't do me right. I don't know, man. It, when it comes to, to, to sports betting, you know, I I was a whiz back in the day. I, I'll, I'll admit to the fact that, you know, I did my dirt back in the day. I wasn't necessarily proud of it, but... You know, when you were betting on them games, you kind of knew how, the, you know, those teams were going to execute. So it, it, it wasn't hard to bet on some of these. I, I was very lucky, very fortunate back then. Games today, 
you can't you can't pick it you, you can't call it you know i'm not embarrassed it's all good it's all fun but this is the reason why i keep it very simple i'm not going to spend uh my daughter's college tuition on any football games i don't expect anybody else out there to do so but i know there's some that do so with that being said if you're going to enjoy yourselves and 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 play some bets and sports betting so be it just keep in mind that money is very important this time of year especially with everything else going on politically so with all that being said i'm rambling but this is still the commish and this is still the kneel down podcast i want to thank those again for listening to this episode i'll try to do it again within a few days you know how i do but until then have a great week Enjoy the football. I'm going to talk some NBA soon. Peace and love to all those out there. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. I'm out.